welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational and entertaining auto detailing podcast, hosted by Marshall Hill of Total Auto Solutions and DJ Patterson of Eco Green Mobile Detailing. Grab a pint and enjoy. Detailers. Hey, before you listen to this episode, I really want to encourage you to do two things, right? Two very easy things that you're going to benefit from a lot. First, every Wednesday night, 7.30, hop on Zoom, use your phone, use your tablet, use whatever you want. Use meeting ID 918-800-1188 and come have a beer with detailers from around the country. Hey, nothing more better than to chill in your own couch, your own patio, wherever. We got guys that are detailing. We got guys that are sitting by the pool. They're all over. You know what? We've got even ladies from up in Canada that keep hopping on. Who knows? Who's going to be on this Wednesday, 730 Central, 918-800-1188 is the meeting ID. All right, number two, the second thing that is going to benefit you a lot is also use that number and send me a text, 918-800-1188, and let me know how I can help you. We're not sure what's coming and looming, but boy, all I know is if we can be a community together, work, chat, back and forth, then we'll all grow and continue to push forward our great detailing industry through the coming tough times. Hey, this is Marty, Total Auto Solutions. Hope you make it a great day. Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. Uh, Mr. Patterson, I think that uh, I will definitely be excited about this episode, and I think you will tell us how excited you are about this episode. I am so excited about this episode. Did I not fucking nail that? That was stupid. <laughs> that was the dumbest. And I think you'll tell them how you're excited too. Like what the? F- what was that? Well, we are both excited. Well, yeah, it was definitely a great episode. It was. Uh, it was definitely the wine and Stefaner. You cannot pronounce the beard. Okay, go for it. I didn't say I could, but you just can. Well, but why would you hate on me if you can't? That wasn't called Are you hate. that kind of guy I, that just dogs me, but you can't do it? No. Nope. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Okay, you go for it. Wine and Stefaner. No, no, I did not say I can say it. I said that was not the way you say it. Well, I, yes, which means that you know Why how to say it. There you go. See, you know how to say it. If I didn't do it right, <laughs> I, that means you know how to say it. So that was the proper way? That's the way you say it. Okay, I like it. Right. Uh, did you ever watch the movie? I didn't ever watch that movie, man. I never did. Cloudy I, with I a Chance of Meatballs. I did. I did. I watched, I watched two as <laughs> And I watched two as Right? Well. So he has this big, long, like, uh, he creates that like, oh, thing the, that she's down. It's the, the something, something about I'm trying to find her. That's what made me think of, like, I'm like, now, why is this seven and Feffin' find her? Like, what the hell I kind love of that name movie. is that? <laughs> but it's a great movie. It, it really is. Uh, but you did a really good job picking out this beer. It is a Heffy, which is one of my absolute favorite and styles. Mike's. And Mike's. Who's Mike? Mike Jones. Bitch. <laughs> I don't think Mike Phillips would appreciate. I don't think so at all. That at all. I apologize. Well, I do too. I said bitch. You probably sh- Shouldn't say bitch? 
Yeah. You paused. You didn't want to say bitch. I did. What's wrong with saying bitch? I mean, nothing really. Okay, you say it. Uh, I can't. You can't say wine of Stefan Fawner or bitch. What? <laughs> bitch. <laughs> All right, you guys enjoy the episode. It's the legendary Mike Phillips. All right. Well, you ready, Mike? I am ready. All right. We will. Uh, we will go. In, uh... On your camera view, is cardboard Mike's head cut off? Yeah. Yes, just a little bit. Just a little. So go up. There yeah, right there, are. right there, right there. Okay. Don't hurt his feelings. No, yeah, no. His feelings are thin. <laughs> I'm sorry. Really bad jokes tonight, okay? <laughs> no, but I'm catching him. <laughs> My wife wishes I wasn't here all week. Oh, no. I tried to get her to make a cameo. She said, no, in a sexier voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is gonna be a good episode. All right, let's go. Three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. Where we're already we going. wish we had record before. <laughs> <laughs> we got the legendary, the one, the only Mike Phillips. Oh, no, it's on. not the one, the only. Though. That's oh, that's true. Take a look. That's it's true. Not it's not the Hard one. Hardcore Mike is here. Hardcore Mike. All right. Well, you know, you and I have each other. Mike's. <laughs> So glad you're on the Bison Bossy podcast, man. Welcome. Uh, so, Mike, uh, let's. We're trying to think back the first times that we uh, we were interacting, in a sense. And I was going down memory lane. Uh, we've had quite a few interactions over the past couple of years. Um, You've come to where the photo that you posted earlier was uh, the pipe night that uh, was at Mobile Tech Expo of 2019 yes. uh, in Orlando. And we were drinking some really good uh, Orlando brewery uh, uh, beers. You remember those beers? They were pretty good. They, they were awesome. Well, you know, two things. If it's cold and it's free. <laughs> You're there, huh? That's the first two ingredients, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, that's right. I think that was your second one. You came to the 18 one too, and that's what yeah. you told me. I was a little intimidated when I walked up to you and gave you a glass at the Auto Group booth, and I was like, "Man, we'd really love it." I heard you like beer because uh, we were dealing with the Sonax guys, Jason Whitley at that time, uh, Whitley, uh, Rob. And uh, so they're like, yeah, we think Mike likes beer. So I was like, hey, man, you know, if you'd like to come, you're like, wait, it's free and it's cold and it's beer? I'm in. I'm like, hey, I like this guy. I like this guy. Well, that's, that's two elements, right? There's a third. Someone actually walks over and brings it to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's even better, huh? Even better. Even better. Uh, so we, we've also shared some uh, mic time at the Sonax booth. Uh, at SEMA. Who which drew is, a bigger crowd? Oh, definitely Mike. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. At so, SEMA, <laughs> Mike always, always the crowd. Always. Like, uh, Without a doubt. Very gracious enough to allow me to the time. And then you he walked over. Mike time with yeah, and then he goes, here, let me show you how it's done. And like, I step away and like literally 50 <laughs> people out of nowhere 
I was lucky to have five. The next thing you know, 50 so people funny. were all around, and he's like, I'm gathering. You were in the bathroom, bro. I was. I was. Was, you know, I was. I was the entry into, uh, I was the front stage for Mr. Phillips. Yeah, you were. And, wow. But uh, so, so, Mike, though, I think the, uh, the ultimate for me, uh, I know you probably don't remember it, but it, for me, it set a very precedent in my career was uh, when I was at the uh, Mobile Tech Expo 2017 in Orlando. And uh, you probably don't remember, there was a guy that came to your IDA testing wearing flip-flops. Oh, yeah. And I had to explain that, you know, I, I understand, Mr. Phillips, that uh, I'm supposed to be wearing closed-toe shoes. <laughs> you know, that's just the way I roll, is in flip-flops. And we are the flip-flop detailer. So, you know, that was the, uh, the very early injury. But imagine when I get told... <laughs> Mike Phillips is your first proctor, and I went down. I'm in flip flops. Yeah, I'm you're like, screwed. Oh shit! What's about to happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, your biggest fear is uh, if I step on your foot, because once I commit the the robot side of me with my weight, it usually ain't stop until it's planted. <laughs> so oh, <no. laughs> you know, yeah, I got to be careful about that. Once I get moment my momentum going, you know, it's it's there is no breaks. So yeah. But I've, I've had a, a lot of people, because we're here in South Florida, when I teach my detailing classes here in uh, Florida, uh, the first couple of years, you know, you got guys showing up in flip-flops. You know, there's always a few ladies that take my class, and sometimes they're wearing high heels. And so I modified the important information email I send out, and then it says, it says please do not wear flip-flops or high heels. <laughs> I wouldn't be allowed in. <laughs> Well, you know, you know what people sit on your feet when you're trying to have fun or drop a buffer on it, you know, big old DeWalt, something like that. So. Agreed. Horrible way to detail. Don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. I don't. Yeah. yeah so. But yeah, it's good memories. Good plan. I loved it. Yeah. All right. So, hey, Mike, there's probably, I don't know, three? Maybe, maybe two. Two? Maybe. Two people that don't know who you are. Uh, so let those two people know, you know, who's Mike Phillips? Uh and uh, how you got started? Um, okay, well, you know, uh, I have a couple different titles at work, but here's the one I like. Blue, <laughs> blue collar working class dog. Okay. Yeah, and then usually I go woof, woof. You know, like kind of ties in. Yeah. Blue collar working class dog, woof, woof. Uh, you know, I have a lot of different titles there, uh, but my, my past history, is um, just like, you know, if you talk to any detailer and ask them, how did you get started? The, the stories all kind of are the same, you know, started out washing and waxing, you know, mom and dad's cars or your first car. Um, I actually started out boat detailing and um, it's because I lived in Oregon and as a young kid growing up. Uh, you were a water skier, right? Water skiing, yeah, just I was yeah. into water skiing and dad would always take us camping and and in, in Oregon, for anybody that hasn't been to Oregon, Oregon has three months of summer and it rains most of the time. So uh, summer starts Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, probably at some age, like seven, eight or nine, I started to figure it out. I figured it out, I mean, th that means like a couple of weeks before Memorial Day weekend, you know, you go and say, hey, dad, get the boat out. I'll get her cleaned up because we're going camping, you know. And, uh, you know, the boat's been mothballed since, you know, September or October. And uh, so it's just time, you know, let's clean it up, you know. And uh, back then, uh, everybody, every dad kind of had the same four products in their garage. Uh, DuPont rubbing compound, Armorall, 
dishwashing soap and turtle wax. And, and I tell you, if you were a detailer back then, you could fix anything with those four products. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and they work on boats too. So, but I, I, that's how I kind of started then gravitated towards, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm probably again, like a lot of young guys that grew up, I, I started building model cars. And then at some point, don't you blow them up with firecrackers or burn them with a lighter fluid or something? Of course. Yeah. Mr. Patterson, no. It's a, it's a right yeah, of I'm not taking that risk. No. <laughs> I think at 4th of July, he sent me a text that said, well, we're about to just blow up money. Pretty much. Yeah. I myself love blowing up shit. I've always loved fireworks, shooting off bottle rockets, holding them, throwing them, you know, all that stuff. Danger, dangerous stuff. But, you know, after you start building them, then I started reading, you know, Street Rotter Magazine, Hot Rotter Magazine, of course, going to all the car shows and uh, uh, started detailing cars. And, you know, of course, you know, all of us probably think we knew what we were doing back then and we had no clue. <laughs> and uh, it's a compared to what we know nowadays. And, and then it just kind of stuck with me through high school, uh, all the way through college. And then, um, uh, at, at some point, you know, I always kind of detail cars on the side, but it was never something I want to pursue because back then it wasn't, it wasn't the thing it is nowadays. And um, I ended up getting a job working for McGuire's as what they called it, uh, an outside sales rep slash trainer. And um, uh, I had a strong detailing background and that's what really helped me because I took the place of a guy, he was a great guy, his name was uh, Ted, Guys, probably watching this or you'll see sometime in the future, but he was a salesman. I wasn't a salesman. I was a detailer. Yeah. And when, it's a tough he, transition. Yeah. Well, what he would do is he would call in warehouses and load them up with pallets of product. And then they would just sit there, you know, sit there. And what I would do is I would go out and call on a single body shop, show the guys how to use the stuff. They would put a phone call in and order everything I showed them. The store would send it to the shop. I call in all the shops, the, the store would empty out, then they would call the warehouse, hey, we're low on product. And I did that in Oregon and Washington and Idaho for about three years. And after about a year and a half of doing it, all the stores drained out, the warehouses drained out, and people in the warehouses started calling McGuire saying, hey, we need more product up here. Like we're talking truckloads of product. And it kind of just, uh, it, it, it really got me a name in the management side of McGuire's. They're going, what the hell's going on up there in Oregon all of a sudden? Wow. Uh, the sales went just through the roof. And you got to understand, when I started calling body shops, we all know what a foam pad is. Foam pad has been around since 1965. I was calling on body shops with guys that had never seen a foam buffing pad. Mm. You know, So imagine if everything you've ever done is with the rotary and wool, and then some guy shows up at your shop and says, hey, check this out. And you look at the paint when it's done and you're going, wow, look how much nicer it looks. So, I mean, it was really, you know, part of the thing was it was I was in the right place at the right time. It was really easy to increase sales by solving people's problems because you were showing them things that helped them solve their problems. Yeah. So when we want to touch, it's interesting you talk about like you got into in that part of your career. Hey, nice class. I like that. That is a nice class. Hey, it's, it's half empty, less than half empty. Uh, so actually, let's introduce our beer. DJ picked this out because uh, yeah, I think you heard Mike White's heavy, right? Right. You like Heffenweizen, right? I do. I like Heffenweizen, and I like a good dark beer. I just happen to have a lager here, and this is from the Bahamas, you know. So I thought since I'm in Florida and we don't know who's all uh, tuning into this, I thought I'd do something kind of tropical. That's yeah. cool. I yeah. like that. Love it. Uh, so this says what the world's oldest wine and 
Wine and yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you try to pronounce that, sir. <laughs> Wine and Stefaner. Wine and Stefaner. Since 1040. Yeah. Uh, Were you alive then? A Hefeweizen Bavarian style. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a little, you know, Mike, when you drink Hefeweizens, do you taste uh, bubblegum or do you taste banana? Uh, uh, neither. I think I, I got the wheat flavor coming through, and then I usually throw okay. a wheat slice in there. Yeah, uh, a lot of times with uh, Hefeweizen, people taste on that finish, they'll taste a banana, some will taste uh, bubblegum. This one, I don't really taste much at all. My favorite uh, Hefeweizen is Franz and Sconer. Oh. Uh, if you've ever had Franz and Sconer, that's my favorite Hefeweizen. I, I'm also um, a fan of uh, margaritas and good tequilas. And... Um, when it comes to margaritas, you know, something I always, I always say is after the first one, they kind of all taste the same. You know, it depends on how strong the first one is. <laughs> yeah. First one's top shelf. So uh, we had a discussion shelf. earlier. Uh, Mike is going to start a podcast on tequila. Oh, is he? Yeah, so that uh, people will send him tequila. So tequila and yeah. polishing. I like it, Mike. Well, yeah, good job, Mike. Nicely done, dude. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> In my case, well, so, but Mike, we also uh, we have, we now have cool. a uh, a new podcast hoodie. Oh, right on! Yeah, Pines and Polishing podcast hoodie oh, that uh, will also act uh, as a nice refrigerant for our uh, cold hefeweizen. Yeah, nice, nice. All right, so we want to get into and dive into the topic of. You know, the video that you put out on AutoGeek was extremely you upright. I mean, it's always well done. But this one caught us uh, a little bit different because it seemed to be a little different style in a sense for what uh, I have typically seen. And, and it was, to me, extremely well done. That's why I sent you that message. Uh, and I love that you were talking about production style detailing. Right. I mean, production style detailing has been around for ages. Right. It's been around forever. But for some reason, over the last five years, there's been this emergence in a sense to push production out of the way and a glorification of other sides of the industry, a.k.a. You know, polish, correction, coding yeah. uh, generally has dominated uh, the, the theory for most detailers in the last five years. And so we're thinking, you know, going into the looming possible recession and big blow up of what the economy might have happened, you know, which side and what we talk business, we talk, you know, how to help detailers uh, is correction and coding the best way to go into this. And we go, no, we think production style and doing that is, is ultimately the best way to navigate forward through the looming times coming up. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, DJ and I's past too, right? DJ and I both worked at car washes. Uh, we've both been in production. We've both been in, I mean, if you're in a car wash setting. That's production. Yeah, I mean, it's production. There's a lot of detailers that hate on car washes, but listen, if we didn't put out quality work, that shit was getting returned. Every day. And then our ass was getting handed to us, right? Like, yep. and you know, so we had to put out good quality production in a production manner yeah, and exactly. and and sitting at the sonax booth uh 2017 sonax booth was with uh uh jimbo and we yeah, sat we down with sat jimbo down on, on you've been on the jimbo valen podcast i think yeah. now he calls it just auto detailing podcast right with jimbo yeah we um, did a podcast yeah. with him a couple years ago 
Yeah, we, we talked about needing to be a high-end production. Like That's what we considered ourselves, that if you've got to produce a good amount of cars in order to be profitable as a business, and you're going to have to put out high quality in order to grow your business, right? It's just, it just is logical for us as detailers because of the way we've grown up in the detailing world. So coming in into the past five years and especially the past two to three, it's been such a hard push in the ultimate direction. So then to see your video, man, it was, it was just a big breath of fresh air. Like, all right, somebody else is ready to go with production. So, you know, give us some background on why you produced the video and then talk us through, you know, what is, what is production detailing for you? Uh, hey, great questions. And, you know, I love talking about this because uh, uh, th there's a lot of different aspects of this. But uh, one of the things, uh, let me just put this in before I forget where I'm going with this. But the, anytime you, you have a brick and mortar store, okay, and it, it's easy to start out mobile. I started out mobile. I've had three brick and mortar detail shops, one in Albany, Oregon, one in Seaside, Oregon, one in Bellevue, Washington. And uh, when you're mobile, uh, you have no overhead. So it's, it's uh, you know, you put more of the profit into your pocket because you've got no overhead. As soon as you get a shop and you have overhead and you start running the numbers, how many cars do I got to detail each month just to pay the overhead? When you get that shop, anybody that calls you, pulls into that driveway, you will detail that car. You, it's because it's a numbers game. When you're mobile, now all of a sudden you kind of pick and choose because you don't have the overhead. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. forces you to do production detailing because you'll take whatever calls and whatever calls is going to be the whole spectrum, you know, and this is why I'm always trying to teach guys that are starting out, you know, if you're just starting out, you don't know anything. We all started out in the same place. We knew nothing. Okay. So most of the guys are starting out, they get up on YouTube, uh, Facebook, and they, and they see all the big names doing, like you say, the multiple step corrections, you know, full on what I call show car detailing. And then they try to duplicate that to every car they detail. And that, that's not going to work because you have people that have daily drivers and they look at their car's transportation, but they also know it's a financial investment and they want to maintain it, but they got enough expendable cash that they don't want to do it themselves, but they don't want to show car detail. They just want, as I always tell people, they want clear glass, shiny paint, black tires. Oh, yeah. And inside is Number one complaint is if you don't get that windshield right, yeah. you're like, Everything else, for me, it was you open up that door and that very first little run board and that very first that they can look visually at the carpet, right through there was the number one. Number two was if they got on the road and that window and that front windshield got hit with sun Streaky. and there was some streak, you're done. You're done. You're done. over. Yeah. yeah. So, like you're going to take apart the whole uh -huh. entire detail now. So, so anyway, the, 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 and that's a good point, you know, um, I, I teach a lot of the stuff in my detailing classes, but uh, the, the, the big picture is when you're starting out and even once you're established, you have to have a different package for the different types of customers and the different types of cars your customers have. And some of your customers are going to have the cool, you know, Corvette in the garage and they're going to have a Honda out front. And you have to have a package for both of them. And a lot of times someone will test you with the Honda before they let you have the Corvette. And you have to have a package for both. But when it comes to production detailing, which I have a, a background in doing a lot of production work. So that's, I don't know if I'm the guy that named it. Some people might call it daily driver detailing or one step detailing, but I look at it as- Maintenance? 
exactly. I think people call it maintenance detailing. Maintenance well, but for me, that doesn't work because maintaining is doing something after you've done something. Production is uh, slam, bam, get it done. Just, it's, okay. it's, you know, fast. It's, it's uh, well, it's it's faster work because it's the opposite of show car detailing. Show car detailing is when you're going to do a you know dedicated correction steps. So you're going to compound it, polish it, and then whatever you're going to do to seal it. But you're breaking each of the components of making the paint beautiful. You're breaking them up into a dedicated step. With production detailing, you're using an AIO or in other words a cleaner wax, and you're doing everything in one step. So it's, it's high speed. It's production. So production detailing. And everybody should have that as a package, especially new guys get into the industry. They can't go, they can't talk to everybody customer and say, yeah, here's my package. It's a full on show car detail for your, you know, your, you go, you know, just like it'll work. <laughs> you, and, you know, yeah, budget point. So, huh? Yeah, so you need something for everybody. And, and then also, you know, production detailing or just using a, a, you know, I always like to just use the generic term cleaner wax. Um, you know, I think a lot of people switched over to using the term AIO, which means all in one. They're the same thing, but if you're on your phone, you know, it's, it's easier to type AIO than cleaner wax. <laughs> so I think that's, that's my theory why the term could become more popular. But there's also um, AIOs that don't use wax. There's AIOs that use a synthetic sealant. So that would be a cleaner slash sealant. And then I have the new product. I'm not trying to do a product pro, but this is the new Z1 from Dr. Beasley's. So this is the new evolution. Now it's a cleaner or abrasives, but it has a ceramic coating in it. So, but it's, it's, that still could be used as a one-step product to do production detailing. Only now you're going to be able to give your customer, you know, a finish that lasts longer compared to a wax or a sealant. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Mm -hmm. uh, so what got you into thinking that you should put put out this type of video? Oh, um, you know, uh, here's here's the primary reason why is this because, like I said, everybody should know how to do this type and offer this to their customer. But in my detailing classes, I, I teach this, you know, so um, I think one of the things that you see, I don't go to other guys detailing classes. I've worked a little bit with Jason Rose and I'm trying to think. Um, you know, I've never had a class with say like a Rennie Doyle or Todd Cooper writer. You know, I know these are names that are established in the, in the teaching industry and there's a lot of different businesses that do it. But, um, I think one of the things that separates my class and makes it unique is because auto geek sells so many stuff, so much stuff. I show all the stuff. It's actually harder on me. When I worked for Meguiar's and I taught all their detailing classes out there in Irvine, I would teach one brand and primarily one tool. That's pretty easy. I come to AutoGeek in 2009 and they, it then, then they carry like 15 tools. I think we carry 30 different tools in multiple, multiple brands. And as a professional courtesy to the different brands like Griot's or, or Rupa's are two good examples. I teach their tool plus their pads and their chemicals. So I teach their system as a system. And, um, and that, you know, because people look at my class, you know, they want to learn, I think they want to learn the system. They don't want me to show them how to use a Rupus polisher and brand X pads and brand B chemicals. So as a professional courtesy, I always, if there is a system, I teach it. But here's, here's where I'm going with this. Because I teach so many tools, um, the way my classes evolved is I, the first Friday and Saturday, there are three-day class, Friday and Saturday, we just bring in cars and go through all the tools. So the first tool may, I, sh I show short stroke polishers. So 
Porter cable, uh, the Griot Scratch G9. Those are eight millimeter, nine millimeter, short stroke, free, sprint, free spinning, random orbital polishers. Short stroke, anybody can master that tool. So I build a foundation with a, a weak or an entry level tool. Then we go to the long stroke with Rupes. Then we go to the Griot's long stroke. And then we go to the Flex, which is eight millimeter gear driven, but also 15 millimeter free spinning. And, but here's what I do with all this. After they go through all these tools and all these different pads and chemicals, they have a lot of knowledge and hands-on time in them. And then come Saturday afternoon, I teach one-step production detailing. And I say, okay, now you've used all the major tools out there. Here's your chance to revisit a tool or spend more time with the tool to really see which one you like best because they'll all work with a great one-step cleaner wax. And then I, in all the other cars that they've done have been multiple step paint corrections. So it's, you know, the normal things, washing clay. And of course we do the nanoskin towels, the nanoskin mitts, detailing clay. Sometimes the nanoskin pads are like the Sonax clay pad. And then we do compounding, polishing, and then a dedicated sealing step, whether it's a wax, a sealant or a ceramic coating. So, I mean, after you take, go through all that, you, you've done all the things you can do on the multiple step side. Now I flip it on him and go, okay, now when you got that guy that comes in and he's got, you know, he just wants you to bust this car out. He doesn't want a show car finish. Here's how you do one step production detailing. So the reason we made that video was to show that aspect of your entire art offerings as a detailer and everybody should be able to master all these things. But that's why. And then and then, and then, you know, as you watch that video, of course, most people know I'm a big fan of gear-driven orbitals. Um, there's nothing wrong with free-spinning tools, but, you know, I'm always teaching guys, you got to mark your backing plate, mark the side of your pad, and then you're looking at it all the time to see if it's actually rotating. You know, if you're using a free-spinning random orbital, and if it's not rotating, you're wasting time. And, and what I teach in my classes is when you're using a free spinning, not only, are you, not only are you expending the energy to run the polisher, you're expending the mental energy to look the entire time you're buffing out the car to make sure the pad's rotating. You switch over to gear-driven orbital, now you're just doing the, the physical part. You don't even have to look. That pad is going to rotate and oscillate no matter what. And so one of the things I do in my classes, I say, okay, you've used all the tools, when you're gonna do one-step production detail, and it's up to you how you wanna do it, I'm gonna show you how I do it. I grab a gear-driven orbital, a great one-step cleaner wax, and after I washed it and clayed it, I, I bust it out. And you know, me personally, when I detail cars, my goal is five hours. And, and you know, I detail a lot of cool cars. But to me, cool is like, I like muscle cars. And, but here's why, because they got no plastic trim. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> they got chrome trim. You run the buffer over them. You don't got to tape them off. Their panels are big and flat, so it's easy. So it's it's everything always comes back to I'm lazy. I'm not OCD. I'm lazy. So everything I develop is because I want to get home and put my feet up. I don't want to be down at the garage working hard. And when it comes to production detailing, you can do it however you want to. I want to do it as fast as I can and keep my quality as high as possible. So no rotary buffers because there's holograms. No, the other, the opposite side of that spectrum is a free spinning random orbital because the pad stalling. What I want is gear driven. And uh, so anyway, so that's, 
that's what I teach in the classes and making that you, you originally asked, why did we make that video? Because we started this new thing because of COVID-19 we're doing, what I like to do is live detailing classes. We don't record these. We just do it live that way. You know, just like we're doing this now kind of, we make mistakes, but it's okay. You get through it. And uh, you know, the, the big picture is, is just to try to help people. Um, you know, uh, Zig Ziglar once said, if you help enough other people get what they want sooner, you'll get everything you want out of life. I'm a Zig Ziglar guy too, man. I love Zig. Two peas in a pod. Yeah. So my, so as I progressed in my journey, uh, sold out of the car wash, went to go join a car wash. We're supposed to join, you know, build this chain. The eight, nine, and ten recession happened. Uh, the guy's main income was uh, was home building. So this, you know, this grand scheme of building a bunch of car washes and doing all that. Folded very quickly in that recession. If, if nobody's building homes, you, you can't fund a, a, a dream. So, you know, I got released and got into chemical sales. I didn't know anything about chemical sales. I mean, I'd been a detailer and then owned a car wash and I didn't know anything about it. And the first person that I got turned on to was Zig Ziglar. So I rode around in that uh, Ford Ranger. Uh, <laughs> we had a Ford Ranger that we were doing mobile detailing out of. And then I rode around trying to drop off drums of soap and uh, would listen to uh, Zig Ziglar on, D on CD uh, inside on repeat, just trying to figure out what is sales and what's the best way of doing sales. So, man, I'm a huge Zig Ziglar fan. I, you know, his passing was, uh, was tough. Okay. I think he would have done a lot better in this time of era where social media would have put his message out a lot yeah, you're right. You know, um, and so we have that in common because I drove around and listened to every Zig Ziglar, you know, tape or CD I could get my hands on. And, and if, if you listen to all this stuff, you know, all of it always comes back to really one basic principle. It's the golden rule. Treat other people as you want to be treated. And one of the other things he always taught me was, you know, nobody likes to be sold. People like to have someone help them buy. See the yeah. difference? Mm-hmm. So there's a difference here. Help people solve people. I, years and years and years ago, I, I wrote this somewhere. I got this. I got a lot of the stuff I wrote years ago, but it's called a professional salesperson never sells anything. They solve a person's problem. Yeah. If you can solve their problem, they'll buy your, your product or service. So. Yeah, no, Zig really impacted. I ended up changing my business name to Total Auto Solutions for exactly that reason was to help find problems and then solve the problems for customers. So yeah, Zig Ziglar is a big part of uh, the early journeys of me in, in the chemical sales business. So Ooh, big right. Ziglar fan. Yeah, uh, now it's Gary Vee. Big, uh, yeah, big Gary Vee fan. You're a huge Gary Vee fan. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever dealt with uh, Zig Ziglar, uh, you should probably hop into uh, uh, some Gary Vee. Gary Vee's uh, sort of the new Zig Ziglar. Big, uh, big fan. Uh, so, Mike, we are, as you can see, uh, we are transitioning. What the podcast does is we transition now to uh, our Zoom community pub. So, as you can see, we got detailers popping on from around the country. Uh, Nick Grooms right there in the middle is a longtime uh, regular attendant of uh, the community pub. Uh, Nick is a detailer out at Tesla, uh, located uh, in uh, the heartland of Kentucky. Sorry, no, Nashville. Nashville, sorry. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, we've got hey, a bunch hey. of different guys that will hop on. Uh, hey, Ben, uh, who are you? Tell us about you. Uh, yeah. 
Good evening, uh, Ben Reitzman. I'm actually uh, president and CEO of uh, and founder of XC Tech that's out of Indianapolis, Indiana. We do a lot of uh, highline detailing and uh, custom, uh, do some training and stuff as well. I'm actually down in Florida right now. I'm actually down uh, shooting a, a battery series, uh, which is uh, uh, one of my other gigs is a battery guy uh, shooting a battery series with some guys from Milwaukee uh, Tool and Matt Mormon with Obsessed Garage um, that's uh, coming out here over the next couple of days. So, yeah, I'm down in uh, lovely Orlando right now. It's hot and humid, just like it was back in Indiana where I left. So, and Matt, Matt, Matt also took one of my roadshow classes. Well, that's cool. Or, or Ben, I meant Ben. Yeah. Oh, Ben did. Yeah, Ben did. That's how I met him. I think it was at the Indianapolis, the second or third class I taught at the Indianapolis uh, 500 racetrack. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and actually, uh, before I let everybody, um, I'm wearing an Indy Autonomous Challenge uh, shirt. My uh, one of the businesses I own in Indianapolis is responsible for sponsoring the first autonomous race that will happen at Indianapolis Motor Speedway next year in October. It's actually being worked on right now. With, uh, 30 teams from all over the world that will be racing uh, fully autonomous Delara race cars at uh, 250 plus mile an hour without any drivers in the car for the first time ever on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So uh, I, do, uh, I get into a lot of different uh, crazy things. So actually I'm helping Delara. We're actually getting ready to release that car next week. And uh, my team is actually doing all the detailing on a, a brand new uh, Delara autonomous car so they got rid of the cockpit and put uh, a computer inside of it so it would uh, be a pretty cool relief man you know I, I you know especially Nick being a Tesla which is why we always say you know I guess if race car drivers are gone you know box truck drivers will be gone too <laughs> you know, hey you know good team uh so hey uh Mike I think you also see a guy that contacted and reached out to you too below you is Derek it says Derek DJB so, <laughs> Had a hey, little Derek. conversation with him. This is Derek who uh, talked to you. Hey, Derek. How you doing, Mike? Nice, nice talking to you that one day. Yeah, no, it's hey, it's a small world, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, you're watching you on YouTube, and never think I'd be talking to you on the phone. I was just like, huh? Like, really? <laughs> it was kind of, kind of cool, but good talking to you. So, like, everybody in the community, uh, Jackie, nice to meet you. Uh, we have been talking production detailing with Mike. He put out a really great video on the Auto Geek uh, page. We highly recommend everybody go watch it. Um, really talking heavily in production. Mike, give us uh, a little bit to, to these guys. What is it if you could uh, reach out to detailers that you see here and other ones that might be watching later? Uh, you know, what is it about production style detailing that, you know, if, if the industry's all been going one way, but it's been a pretty solid with production over so many generations, what is it about production style detailing that you would recommend today for detailers moving into what we're not sure where the economy is going to go? Well, it, it, the, the key thing is just really is just to um, have your have packages for your different customers. And one of those has to be a, a one step process. You know, uh, I think one of the biggest arguments that goes up against one step is because typically most one steps are made. The protection component is either some sort of wax or some sort of synthetic, you know, polymer or a combination. And so it's not going to last as long as a coating. So everybody knows 
the cool thing about coatings is how long they last. But again, you're going to have customers that don't want to pay a higher price for a coating job. So, you know, you need to have a package that it fits their budget. And at this point in time, most of the products in the market that are one steps have a wax or a synthetic. The good news is, is there are, um, there are companies that are coming out with one step products that are able to have abrasives. So they, they're able to clean or abrade or, you know, polish, however you want to refer to it, remove the defects, polish it with high gloss, and then the protection they leave behind is going to be longer lasting, better protecting. I invited from three to sit in. And I think this is an area that Tunch could really bring out some pretty cool products for this. You know, he, he's a, a manufacturer of abrasive technology. He owns his own abrasive manufacturing company. So, you know, it's, he's, a, he's a great chemist. And I, 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 I shared this product here earlier. It's a, it's a pro brand new product from um, uh, uh, Dr. Beasley's. It's the new Z1. This is a one-step product. You know, it's a, you could use it as a primer, but it's also... You'd use it as a one-step cleaner wax. Only hey, Derek, how about that Optimus? Oh, I love me some primer polish. Yeah, um, Mike, we love primer polish and mixing SiO2 in the primer polish. We think it's a great way of getting that clear coat ready to lay down a coating. Or, which we've said for years, it's, we have Optimus primer. It's a, it's a polish, true polish with uh, SiO2 infused into it. Yep. Uh, we love it in the production style to do just if you're going to go over at the end you've already washed clayed it just hit it with this it's going to put down two or three months protection the gloss level is going to be insane much better than a regular polish so yeah man we we're right on board too man that's what i was saying when we saw the video it was like fuck yeah man we love it that somebody else in the industry is pushing it there's another use for products like typically anything large okay so if, if uh, you know, I meet a lot of people that have uh, RVs, uh, they could be a gel coat RV, they could be painted a uh, single stage, they could be base coat, clear coat, very high end. And if you think about your buffing out an RV, do you actually want to, after you've washed it, compound it, polish it, and wax it, go around that thing three times? No. How about going around it once? <laughs> so... I'm happy to say I don't do a lot of RV detailing. I have in the past. It's not, I like working on cars, you know. Yeah, yeah. Airplanes. Okay, if you're going to buff out a, a small twin-engine Cessna. Okay, here's another example when a, a quality one-step product would be the way to tackle it. What Randy Carroll does on, on some of the big stuff or, you know, guys like Joe Fernandez. But if it's painted, I'd definitely be looking at a good one-step just to cut down the labor and the time. Yeah, what's that plane he recently did, Mike? That, was it by himself? Who was that now? Jose or Joe Fernandez. Oh, I, I don't know, but Joe's like a Superman. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. He was supposed to be doing a plane by himself. That was a good guy. He was a good guy. No, he definitely, definitely, definitely is. All right, so let's do, uh, we got to do a beer check. What's everybody drinking? We're drinking the uh, Weizenstephaner Hefeweizens. Because Mike likes Hefeweizens, and so do I, and so does Mr. Patterson. Hey. You can't go wrong with the good old German Hefeweizens. So what's everybody else drinking? Mm. Nick, what is that? Dragon's Milk White. Oh, yeah. Right. White <laughs> stout. 
I got the Kelly Gold. There you go. Ooh. Derek, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, Raging Bitch from uh, Flying uh, Dog. It's their, it's their, uh, be- yeah, it's their, it's their Belgian, Belgian IPA. Wow. It's, it's a little, uh, it's, a little it's, a, it's definitely an IPA. There's no citrus in this yeah. one, Marty. Oh, it's a rough one, huh? Yeah, it is. Hey, Jim, it's what was pretty good. Oh, where'd Jim go? Jim got disconnected. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was just on there. So, guys... Uh, Jim Le- Jim Lefebvre has joined us from Dr. Beasley's, and he's the guy that's come up with this new nanosurface primer technology, which you know I think is pretty cutting edge. Yeah, he left. He left. He might have gotten. Oh. He's yeah. watching the kids tonight, so. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> the kid probably hit disconnect. <laughs> yeah, that's my two-year-old. <laughs> that's my two-year-old. They'll just hang out. That's awesome. What's up, guys? Yeah, I'm drinking uh, New England Brewing Company, Super Super Knot. And what is oh, it? Oh, wow. The double IPA. Double IPA. Mm. Right? Nine. Yeah. Deepa. Uh, 8.2. Yeah. 8.2. What's Ooh. your IBUs? In the 70s? I don't, it's low. It's not, doesn't have a lot of bite. Doesn't say. Jackie, are you drinking? No, no. sorry. I'm just with water tonight. Sorry. Hey, it's all good. All good. Hey. We're happy to have you on. Uh, who are you? Where are you from? Um, so I am from Orlando. I think someone mentioned that earlier that they're visiting Orlando right now. And yes, it is extremely hot and humid and very hot. <laughs> um yep. Uh, yeah, I do mobile detailing here. I don't know. <laughs> That's about it. That's cool. How long have you been in business? Um, I've owned my business for just over a year now. I started it in May 2019. Um, I worked for uh, another car wash company for eight years before that, before I started my own. That's cool. Really? We, we both come from car washing also. Yeah. We started as mobile detailers, then we both went into car washing and... Then DJ's doing mobile detailing now. My mobile detailing clientele has gone down to about two people. Uh, but, oh, you know, we're, we're still <laughs> I still got two people. How many times do you go to those clients? Uh, I haven't seen them in years. Okay, but, I'm just asking. But my guy goes every week. <laughs> what do you give him, like breakfast? No, he gets half. Okay. He gets half, and I get half. It's so, a fair trade. It's a big workload. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Willie. How are you, sir? Thank you. Who's Willie? Nice to meet you, Willie. Willie, Willie, who do you work for right now? I'm working for Majestic Solutions in North Carolina. That's right. That's right. I'm enjoying my Puerto Rico beer here. Uh, I can can sense that Puerto Rican accent. Let's say Mandela. <laughs> Willie and his wife moved to the United States a couple of years ago. Remember that, Willie? Because just all the hurricanes, you just—I think you finally threw. You had a shop going there, right? And you finally yeah. had to come eat over to the U.S. Yeah, um, I was in Puerto Rico with my business for almost ten years. Um, still doing good, and after the big hurricane, um, had an opportunity here with a manufacturer in North Carolina, and decided to move here and change a little bit from 
doing the detailer, now working for a manufacturer now. All right, so, uh, hey, Willie, uh, have you ever listened to a guy named Peter Schneck? Um, actually, really, no. Okay, well, him. he's a guy that recommends everybody moving to Puerto Rico. <laughs> maybe because he says do it to evade uh, paying taxes to the government, but you know, I mean, it just either way. Do you think <laughs> people should move to Puerto Rico? Hey, it's a love, lovely place. Um, part of the U.S. Um, yeah. Pretty safe to be there. Like any place, they're good yeah. guys, bad guys, but um, yeah. very, very great, a great place to retire or just have fun. I, I love it. I meet it a lot. All right. I dated a Puerto Rican once, and that was quite interesting. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Willie's also, uh, Will also alumni in my big three-day class. So. Yeah, I've been, been twice. I've been twice. Twice, and then, and then I did the Sonax, and you were there doing the Sonax, too, in 2016. Then we might have more. Is that Rodrigo, right? Rodrigo, Willie? I'm sorry, what? Is that Rodrigo Santana? Uh, he went to Puerto Rico. I attended his yeah. class. He was a great yeah. guy. Oh, wow, the Ronnie Doyle's class. Good, 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 oh, Ronnie Doyle, and then he moved on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so Rigo said DJ this. You put out the wall, yeah. bro. It was on the wall. Yeah. Rigo and DJ go way back, and DJ had this. Uh, he got, well, you. I don't know what it is you'd say. Uh, it was an article I got written up for me, and he sent it to me. He got it uh, plaque and everything, and just sent it in the mail. Like that was pretty cool. Yeah, Rigo's good dude. We love Rigo. Rigo's a really, really good dude, man. He was my mentor essentially when I was growing my business. I wanted to be just like him. He was in California, had an eco-friendly business, used waterless and this and that, and I wanted to model that. And he actually took me under his wing, taught me a lot. Actually, the first mobile tech I went to, Rigo was there. That's when I met Mike Phillips for the first time and some other guys too there. So that was Mobile Tech. Uh, two, no, that was, I would say 12, 13. Yeah, a long time ago. I invited Rigo to join us tonight. Really? Yeah. I reached out to him. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's a really, really good dude. You know, there's some guys in the industry that are just top notch. He's one of them. He's definitely one of them, no doubt, hands down. What's everyone else drinking? Kevin? Kevin? You drinking tonight? Hey, man, I had a little bubble gum earlier, okay? But I got to say that COVID got me into detailing cars just personally. I watched every video Mike ever created. I got way into it. I run a couple of resorts. And for all you detailers, there's a business in golf carts. There's a business in boats. And our guys are doing both right now. So if you're ever looking to expand that and you hit some of these resorts, you can turn that whole industry around. I mean, my stuff looks great. Started with Wolfgang's, been using Dr. Beasley, playing a little bit here and there. but. If you're looking for other markets, those are some pretty good ones. So what is it about golf cart detailing? How does a detailer go approach a, uh, a, golf, a golf? Well, I mean, yeah, like, do they just, like, let's say, let's go, okay, I'm a detailer. I want to get into golf cart detailing. Do I just go up to the pro shop and, and try and sell? I mean, how does that go? 
I would probably try to work through the, say, the general manager at a golf course or some of the higher-end clubs. You get towards the end of the year. I'm in the Midwest right now. And in the Midwest, they start shutting down the golf operations. You come in in the fall, you're coming in the spring and say, hey, let me just park in your cart barn. They've got, you know, half the equipment already. They probably are running um, uh, water softeners, so they're not getting a lot of spots. But they don't trick out their golf cars. If you can get a year out of a golf cart, you can save 50 grand a year in getting a new lease and saving a payment. And at the higher end resorts, you want them to look good or they're going to start turning them every three years. If I can get a year more out of a golf cart or I can pay them off in four years and get a fifth year, it's a big home run for me, but I need them to look good. And so I don't know. It's probably a good market because these golf carts get beat up pretty good. So what do they do? No, Is that what you're saying? Like they just need to polish them up? Oh, I think it's everything. I mean, you get after three years or four years of being in the sun, all the black mats yeah. are worn out. You could even touch up a little paint, um, get that shine back in. You get the plastic windshields. They get pretty beat up. There's some good products for it. They don't pay much attention to it. They don't use the right products when they clean them every night. I mean, they just hit them hard with hoses and don't care what they wipe down the windshields with. You can, you know fix up the plastic with the right product. Um, the tires look like garbage. Um, I, I, think it, I think there's a market there, especially at the good private clubs and I, money typically isn't an issue at the higher end clubs. Yeah, that's true. Mike, have yeah. you ever done a golf cart? Um, I, I've done a couple for friends, but not as a business. But one thing I like about them is they're small. <laughs> true. I'd rather do that than a limousine, you know. So. Hey, yeah, I agree. I did a couple of Raptors oh, here. Oh. Uh, really, you know. So now I understand, Mike. You're a boater. Oh. Is that a good market to be in? We probably have about 250 peers. And we've got a lot of boaters, and they want to pull them out. They want their boats looking good. Um, I would assume the products work pretty good for boating. Yeah, well, you know, uh, the, 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 the boat detailing is a, it's a lot of hard work because boats really take a lot of abuse in a marine environment. Um, and, you know, one thing people don't think about, if you look in at the side boat, usually boats kind of like got a V-shape. So when you're buffing the side, the buffer's going away from you, you know, so it's hard. Uh, it's, it's, I think boat detailing is the hardest type of detailing. So uh, think about how I do it, Kevin. I teach it, <laughs> but I don't do it. That's a good word. Uh, well, you know, but, you know, some people know that I, I grew up with a full race drag boat, you know, so um, yeah. I was in high school. Uh, it's kind of weird. I, I met this guy my, my senior year. This guy was like the kind of the of the school. And one day he says, what are you doing this weekend? I says, well, I'm going to go out, you know, kind of cruise the gut, pick up some chicks. And he says, you got a car? And I go, yeah, I got a car. And I said, you got a car? He goes, yeah, I got a car. So I says, well, bring it on over. So I'm sitting in the living room of my house and the, the windows start to shake, you know. <laughs> and 
He shows up in this 1966 Pontiac Le Mans. It's got a, a snorkel hood scoop that he handcrafted out of aluminum himself. He's a metalhead. <laughs> a big block Chevy. And the guy took the torch and cut every little piece of steel out of the car that didn't need to be there. There's no inner fender wells. I mean, there's nothing there. Oh. So it was really fast. Like my buddy. But that's, that's how I met this guy named Eric. Okay. So then you know, hey, you got a car? Yeah, I got a car. Well, yeah, that's a little different car than I was thinking. But then as summer got around, <laughs> one day he goes, hey, what do you do this weekend? I go, I'm going to the lake. My dad's got a boat. And I go, you got a boat? He goes, yeah, I got a boat. Oh, well, meet us up there. So I'm, at the, I'm on the beach, and all of a sudden I hear this noise. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! It's a title-holding, record-holding boat. And it's just shaking the trees around. It's like, Anyway, I ended up buying that boat from him. And so, oh, no, no, but here's what I'm going with that. If, if you, if you, if you type into Google, like Sanger drag boat, actually, if you had my name, Mike Phillips, you'll pull up a picture of my boat. I got pictures really well marked all over the place. And you look how nice and big and flat the hole is the bow. That's the kind of boat detailing I like to do. <laughs> Flat bow, you're done. Armor on the seats, maybe put some on the hoop. The carburetor scoop, and you're done. So, but here's Florida. Back to Kevin's question. Uh, the capital of the world, and there's a lot of center consoles here. So, I teach a boat detailing class. Uh, my background is in boat detailing, and I, I just I teach guys how to take a boat that looks like absolute crap and make it look like brand new again. We ceramic coating them and everything. And then the trick to it, though, is, is uh, you know, getting your prices up there. Most of the people that take my boat class, when they're doing a center console inside out, they're getting five, six grand. That's the, that's the entry level. Mm -hmm. ones. So there is money, but you got to establish yourself. Yeah, there's a lot, it. a lot, a lot of money in boat detailing. Ooh. A lot. <laughs> yeah. That's our big ticket job there, boat detailing. Aviation, marine, RV, fleets. But Marine is like right there. Like that's bread and butter. Hey, Mike. So I'm, I'm curious about your skiing uh, um, and how you started going skiing. So I, I grew up going to Fort Gibson Lake, which is about 45 minutes away. It's been the this way anyway. there and a little Shasta. Uh, no, was Shasta the boat or was Shasta a camper? I don't remember. But, uh, Shasta was the camper and Shiata was the boat. <laughs> yes, Shasta, yes. So uh, I learned uh, on two skis and then we would drop one and then I would learn how to just slalom with, you know, my back foot already in. But I would normally drag my foot and then throw it in as I got up. Uh, but once I learned how to wakeboard, I dropped all skiing. Uh, so I'm really curious. Uh, uh, have you ever tried? You know, before you got it, was there ever any uh, any uh, early entrance into wakeboarding? Um, uh, nah, because the wakeboards weren't quite as refined at the time. Oh I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trust me, I know. <laughs> but the other thing is, is a drag boat like mine doesn't make a big wake. No. Nope. So, you know, so I was really into the slalom skiing. I, I think I learned to ski when mm. I was five years old. I learned to slalom ski when I was six. And I lived water ski. I, I remember I, before I owned a boat, I would go down to the river and I would take gas money and beer and I'd just try to get pitch rides. <laughs> and finally I thought, well, this is this, enough of this. I need my own boat. And that's why I, you know, I kind of went overboard when I bought the drag boat. 
But, you know, a lot of people always say, do you actually use that for skiing? I'm like, hell yeah. We pull tubers, pull skiers, race people, go yeah. fishing, you know, whatever you want to do. It's a boat. Because slalom is all about going fast. I mean, it's the faster you go, the better. Yeah, I didn't like that. I just like cutting rooster tails. So just cutting tails, just going back and forth. I don't know. That's mm -hmm. That and drinking beer while you're skiing, so. Uh, yeah, I was too young. <laughs> Too young for drinking beer. Uh, anybody else done skiing? Anybody else a skier? That's a negative. Yeah, no, no, no. Ben? Uh, yeah, I started out uh, barefoot and then uh, got on the slaloms. And I've been slaloming. Taught my uh, taught my youngest how to slalom uh, two summers ago. So. Very uh, that's badass. I, I did. I've never done barefooting so. One year uh, in college, I, uh, the summer job in college, it would have been between my freshman and sophomore year, I took a job with the YMCA as a uh, camp counselor. Yeah. And uh, the next year they go, hey, how about you go up to the lake and do some stuff there? So I spent the whole summer at a lake one year where uh, then they couldn't figure out what to do with me. So I was a canoeing instructor, right? I mean, canoeing instructor at a camp is – Boy, you got hard work to do. I spent most mornings skiing behind uh, uh, a Mastercraft, but they had where the uh, boom would also go out to the side. So there was guys that would do, they would hold on to that boom and do uh, barefoot skiing. But I, I, I myself was not brave enough to ever get into barefoot skiing. Uh, DJ has... <laughs> You're out of your mind. Don't even go. No way. There's no I've never had the desire. I'm, water now. I'm literally sitting right now watching you guys drinking this beer on, on the sand. I have to feel sand. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> guys, I've learned that everybody can barefoot ski for about three feet. Guys, I'm going to barefoot sand. <laughs> True. Three seconds? That's a, that's what I'm, yeah. yeah so every, everybody, everybody grabs a hold of the pole oh and they're like, got this, and then boop, they're gone. Boom. Fly right off. Yeah. Hmm. Well, when I when I was uh, when I was up in uh, I just got back from vacation. Uh, one of my friends, uh, his cousins, has like one of the gas-powered, uh, like a it's almost like a surfboard, but it's it's got a motor on it. And they were driving it around the lake, and they're he's trying to sell, but they're really expensive. They're like I think he was selling them for like ten thousand dollars for the boards and stuff. But uh, I can I can show you guys. I have it on my phone. I took a video of him doing it. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Well, hey, so Mike, uh, when you think production detailing, and uh, you know, we'll 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 hop off of here pretty soon. We've we've already taken quite a bit of your time. Uh, but you know, what words would you have to say if there's anything else besides you know the one step and that type of thing? You know, if detailers are wanting to look into expanding into more production and volume. What are some other uh, tidbits of information you might give them? Uh, hey, good question. For, first, first of all, no matter um, no matter what kind of detailing you're doing, when it comes to working on car paint, you gotta always have products that use great abrasive technology. Um, I, I know it's easy to think that any brand you see out there uses great abrasive technology, but that simply isn't the truth. Uh, you know, I, I divide it pretty stark. It's either good or it's crap. I mean. If, if somebody's compound polisher AIO is micromoring the paint, that, 
there's no way you can say that's good. It's it's not good. It's bad. You got to come back and fix it. So products either make they'll re, products will either remove the defect without leaving their own defect, or they'll remove a defect and leave their own defect. And you really want to stick to the products that have the ability to remove a defect without leaving their own defect. And uh, so you know there's a lot of brands out there, brands out there. But here's the deal. If it won't make black paint look good, it isn't making any paint look good. It's just you can't see the marring the products creating on lighter colors. So find products and become loyal to them that use that were great on your dark colors and your black paint. So that's the first thing. You need great products. And one of the things I always teach in my class, and I got an article that I really like. I wrote it a couple of years ago. It's called uh, Abrasive Technology, the most important factor when it comes to polishing paint. It has a picture of my friend Jeff, and I took this picture, and he's he's buffing on this car, and it's just a good a good kind of side shot. And as you look at the car, it's a dark green car. You see a layer of compound on the paint, then you see the pad on the compound, then you see the tool, then you see the guy. And below it, I have a bulleted point list in order. The first thing touching the paint is the product. The next thing is the pad. Behind the pad is the tool. Behind the guy, behind the tool is the guy. And so if you think about it, the most, the most removed thing from the action taking place is the guy. The most important thing is the stuff touching the paint. And I point this out because, you know, I think detailers tend to attract guys that are alpha males, uh, ego driven, you know, Hey, look how good I am. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? And, uh, and, but you're not touching the paint. The product is I've taken people that have never buffed out a car their entire life and they get professional results because I teach them using stuff that makes the paint look good. And, uh, but you know, big picture is you've got to have good products. If it doesn't make black paint look good, it's not making anything look good, find a different line. The next thing is, is for, for people buffing out cars, doing production detailing, you really want to stick with foam pads, not microfiber. I, I get it, microfiber <laughs> cuts faster, but every one of the fibers in a microfiber pad cuts the paint. And, and that leads to marring. So if you're trying to do one step and the pad you're using is marring the paint, now you got to come back and clean it up with the foam pad. You just turn the one step into two steps. You're, you're defeating the purpose of doing a one step. So you really want to try to stick with foam polishing pads or foam cutting pads, depending on the paint hardness. And then the next thing is, you know, if you're using a free spinning tool, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, I'll pick on Porter Cable. That's a free, free spinning random orbital polisher. One of my first that I ever used, definitely, uh, Porter yeah. Cable. Hey, gr great tool. I love the tool. Yeah. But if you're trying to bust the car out fast, you've got to get a gear-driven orbital, you know. And, and, and I, on the market today in the U.S., that would be the Flex Beast. That would be the Rupes Millet or be the Makita PO5000C. If there's another one out there, at least in the U.S. market, I, I don't know about it. And, uh, but any one of these tools, you know, no matter what the shape, the curve of the panel, you're going to maintain pad rotation, pad oscillation. So you're going to be able to bust through that job faster than any free spinning tool. And plus, like we were talking about earlier, guys, anytime you're using a free spinning random orbital polisher, you have to, I always teach guys to mark the backing plate, mark the side of the pad so your eyes can monitor if the pad's rotating and you're expending this mental energy the entire time you're buffing out the car, looking at it, is it rotating? Is it rotating? Is it rotating? And with a, with a gear driven, you, you take that away. It's just like, you just push the polisher where you want to go. It will get the job done. And I have a quote, it goes like this, you know, with a gear driven orbital, I can plow through a car. You know, you can't say that about a free spinning tool. So if you're going to get into production detail and you need great products, you need foam pads, you need lots of them, and you need a gear driven orbital polisher. All it's right. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. That's, that's why you're Mike Phillips. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the boat detailing world, um, you, you know, the, the kind of people that come to my boat class, I usually have about a 50-50 mix. 50% of the people that take my, it's a two-day boat class I teach here in February. 50% of the people want to learn how to take care of their own boat. Okay, and God bless them. There's nothing like taking satisfaction oh, in your boat, <laughs> right? The other 50% are doing it as a business. Now, there's two different viewpoints when you're doing the top cap, you know, the above the water line. Um, to me, what I like to do is I like to knock it out with a cleaner wax, okay? Because you could just bust through it. If you want to put a coating on it, now you got to do the correction, come back and chemically strip it, and then put the coating on it. You, you take it one step and turn it into three steps. So, you know, that's the ultimate way to do it. But my gosh, it takes a heck of a lot more time because now you're buffing around cleats, you know, and tower poles and, and cup holders. I mean, all the different things on the top cap of a boat that you have to buff around. And uh, it gets really complicated. And for that, I teach guys how to use the, the Flex 3401 with the, a traditional wool pad you would use on a rotary, but slap it on the beast. And you just push that thing wherever you want it to go around cleats. You might throw some wool, but it just keeps on going. You just plow through that. But you are just using a cleaner wax, you know, so it's not going to last as long as a, as a ceramic gel coat coating in a marine environment. But again, you know, everybody's got to have their own trade-off. Are you doing this for money? Do they want to pay? If they don't want to pay, then you're back to the wax. Is it your own boat? You want to put the time in? Then hell, you know, put the coating on it. So, uh, Mike, uh, We've got a new guest, uh, Brandon, hopped on. Uh, Brandon's from South Carolina. He may or may not have sent me a message asking about, uh, you know, Mike, uh, Mike behind you. So, uh, you want to let uh, let the community know who uh, the pop-up Mike is behind you? Oh, uh, yeah, this is cardboard Mike. He's been pretty quiet the whole time tonight, guys. He has been. He's That's been very, you know, we were very, hoping very, he would step out. Yeah. yeah he's, he's a lot thinner than <laughs> And uh, this is uh, uh, a cardboard figure that uh, Stan Grip made for SEMA a couple years ago and after the SEMA show they gave him to him. So I brought him home. And here's what's funny about a cardboard mic. He's usually in my home office. I'm actually in the kitchen right now. And he's in the office. And when anybody comes over and the, the, if the doors to the office are open and they look in there, they get startled. It's like, oh, there's some guy in there. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. It's covered, Mike. Don't worry. He's just in there getting work done. Yeah, everybody should have their own cardboard backup, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it is it's legendary status. Actually, it's funny you say that. I actually have a picture of my face over here when I turn thirty. Derek, you're breaking up. You sound like a robot, bro. Oh. <laughs> Oh, sh crap. Hold on. <laughs> we crap. heard that part. <laughs> we definitely heard that. I was going to say, I have a, like Mike, I have a picture of myself over in the corner here. Hold on. Hold on, Derek. Listen. Whoa, what kind of pictures Maybe are you in the corner? It's Hold on, man. We're on the community not that kind of, Right here. No, no, it's not that. You know where you're at? What's group you're at? All right. It's, it's, it's a little embarrassing, but it's not that kind of picture. Don't worry. When I turned 30, they had a party for me, and they like had a game, or they, I don't know what they were playing, but they, uh, my fiance printed out all these pictures of me, and it was all over the house, so it's, it's a pretty embarrassing picture, but it's like it. a picture of me. 
Yeah, my DJ. <laughs> <laughs> That's Where, awesome. Where'd your hair go? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I had another one on a stick that they were doing with like pictures, but like I had a picture of myself too, like like Mike over there. Hey, you should stick it on that wall behind you so you can have a pop oh, there. there you go. Definitely have a wall there. There you go. There we go, right there. <laughs> bring, oh, hold on, Dana. Bring that. Bring that over here. All right, hold on, hold on. I got one more. I got that one on a stick. There you oh. Go. Hold that up the whole yeah, time. For, That's the thing. Put it in oh, front. Yeah. Yeah, That's right what there. you gotta do. Right. That's, That's there, there you go. go. There you go. All we want to see <laughs> is the rest of the time. Right. The rest of the time. All right, guys. Thank you so much for hopping on to the community club. <laughs> we really appreciate everybody that hopped on, especially those of you that come on for the first time. We hope to see you again. We do this every Wednesday yes, night at 7:30 Central. Uh, we hop on. We have beer. We just chat with other detailers. This also arrived, Mike, you talked about some stuff that has happened out of Corona uh, and some things that you guys have done at Auto Geek differently. This was part of our Pints of Polishing podcast, uh, and we decided, hey, what can we do since people can't go out and drink beer and sit in a pub? Why don't we get together and virtually drink pubs? So Derek from DJ DD at Helling has been a big proponent. Uh, Nick has been on every week. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for all your time. Uh, Brandon. Everybody that hops on every week, we have a good time, man. We just drink beer, and we, we talk about detailing, and we hang out like we're at a pub. So anytime anybody wants to hop on, we'd love to have you. It's the same Zoom ID every time, uh, Wednesday, 730 Central, 918-800-1188 is the same Zoom pub. So uh, thank you guys, everybody, for hopping on, and uh, we really wish you guys the best and hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Thanks thank for having me. Appreciate thank it. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Come on. Have a good night, man. Thanks, DJ. Everybody. Thank you. Thank you. It was nice Bye. to meet y'all. Nice to meet you. Bye, Kirby. Nice you, Bye, Mike. Mike. Brandon, Steve, Matt, Ben. Keep going. Really? Thank you, Mike. Cardboard Mike, come cardboard, on, Mike. Cardboard, cardboard Mike. He's going back in the office. <laughs> what we like about Cardboard Mike is he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't generate any waste. He's, He's, He's like. drinking in my beer. Yeah. <laughs> I like the not generating waste part, Mike. You got my vote on that. Oh, you guys. That's community right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys have a great night. Mm -hmm. Hey, remember when I told you you were going to love that episode? Whew, was that not a amazing, great episode? I know I enjoyed it, so I hope you did too. All right, next, hop onto the Zoom pub. You know it was coming. Man, we really love those times. They're really great. So if you like drinking beer, Zoom pub every Wednesday night, 730 Meeting ID 918-800-1188. Hey, it's virtual. You can chill wherever and drink beer with other detailers. What a great idea. All right. The other thing that if you guys would be so, so humbled to do, so privileged, whatever, I know we would be humbled. Would you be privileged? 
I think so. I'm going to go with that one. Hey, if you would leave us a review, I know we got some bad audio. I know sometimes we fuck things up, you know, but hey, overall, hey, we're some detailers that just like to have fun, drink beer, and enjoy each other. So leave us a review. Go give us a rating. Would love to get your feedback. And as always, hop on to uh, find Pints of Polishing Podcast at Instagram and shoot us a DM. Let us know all the great things that you're getting out of these episodes. All right. Hey, this is Marshall Total Auto Solutions. And uh, I think you know. Make it a great day. Ooh.